last night I heard this amazing metaphor that this native Hawaiian woman said oh my gosh it was so good she was like she was talking about her auntie and they were you know pulling weeds and their whole garden was covered in weeds and she's like auntie like where do I start the whole like garden is covered in weeds and she was like you just start there like don't care about don't think about the whole garden you just start right there start with that little patch like who cares like just do what you can you know Hey good people, welcome back to Community Blooms. This is your host, Akil Cole. Community Blooms brings you refreshing, authentic, and hopeful stories from people in different communities working to protect the environment, educate those around them, and improve the health of folks near and far. If you're new here or you just enjoy the refresher, this is a podcast by the Community Ecology Institute, or CEI. CEI is a nonprofit organization based in Columbia, Maryland, whose mission is to cultivate communities where people and nature thrive together. On today's episode, we'll continue this season's focus on stories from students by hearing from Willow Volkert. Willow is a dear friend of mine and a sophomore over at Georgetown University. This fall, she will be serving as one of two co-presidents for Green, which is the Georgetown Renewable Energy and Environmental Network. She is also involved with Georgetown's Outdoor Education Club and has her ear to the ground for many different sustainability and environmental initiatives on and off of campus. I really hope you all enjoy this conversation because believe me, I know I did. Hey, good people. This is your host, Akil Cole, and you're listening to Community Blooms. Today with me, I have a good friend of mine over at Georgetown University, Willow Volker. So Willow, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, Akil, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah, my name's Willow. I just finished my freshman year at Georgetown University, so incoming sophomore. Um, yeah, I'm creating my own major there, similar to Akil, focusing on it's called, I'm calling it humanistic ecology, but it's basically focusing on the sustainable alternatives that are necessary to fight climate change and kind of just, you know, create a more sustainable and just world, but also the values that are necessary to create such a world as well. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much me. I'm the incoming president of Green, Georgetown Renewable Energy and Environmental Network. And yeah, that's me. That is fantastic. Y'all, y'all are in for a treat. Willow is like Madam Environmental. Um, we yeah. love her at Georgetown and I'm really happy that she's here with us for this conversation. So just to kick us off, I want to see, or I want to know, how did you get involved with environmental work? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it was a, I would say it was a journey of baby steps. Um, I grew up in an area that was pretty conservative you know like climate change and environmentalism wasn't really talked about it wasn't like a field you could enter into I remember I was taking I decided to take AP Enviro or AP Environmental Science my senior year and I told my AP Chem teacher that my junior year and she like laughed in my face and was like why are you taking like an easy science and I was like what um yeah so that's like a very very good example of how the space was seen in my community so it was definitely like I always internally cared about it, but it was like hard to like, you know, maintain a social life and like 
do all of that and care about it because there wasn't really a space for me to express it. So it started off with me just having like my own little blog, honestly, where I just kind of captured all these different things I learned. I wrote about them. I created little stories and just like kind of had an outlet to care about environmental work. And then I started to find a couple of friends who were interested in the same thing. And we decided to create like a beach cleanup committee committee together because I grew up on Lake Michigan and there's a lot of um, pollution um, and these things called ravines that they're like forests, like forests that are like a watershed that lead down to the lake. And there's a lot of uh, pollution get, that gets trapped there. So yeah, we created this little community to start cleaning those up and that was really successful. And that was kind of the start. And then I would say it really started to blossom like my work with environmentalism and my passion for it during the pandemic, because I really got time to step away from like societal norms and just really focus on what I wanted to do with my time because there was no one else telling me what to do with my time. Um, so that was when I really started researching, reading a lot of books, kind of figuring out what exactly about environmentalism really drew me in. Um, and then from there, I started to go on some pretty big adventures in the outdoors during my gap year. Um, I got to really see like the natural world, like for itself. I got to see, you know, the amazing mountains of Glacier National Park. I got to go to Kauai for the first time and go scuba diving and see the reefs and see rainbows and see the Nepali coast, which is like this incredibly like untouched segment of Kauai that is just like, has like 3000 foot cliffs that just end in the ocean. It's like the most magical place I've ever seen in my life. And seeing moments like those just really ignited my passion and was like, it made me realize like caring about environmentalism isn't just for humans and like continuing like humanity as we know it because of climate change. A big reason I'm also involved in environmentalism is because like I want those spaces to continue to exist because like to me they have intrinsic value and they bring you know I think they bring me and a lot of other people a lot of joy just like being able to see it as it is and you know appreciate it as it is so that is like one of the big things that like ignited my um, passion and then from there yeah I started getting involved and sorry those are chickens in the background i'm in hawaii again and there are chickens everywhere so you'll be hearing some chickens um there they go again <laughs> but um yeah so that's kind of how i got involved and then my time on Kauai kind of led to me getting involved with some nonprofits, um doing some work there and then of course i went to georgetown and really made environmental studies my priority so yeah i would say that's kind of how it started that's quite the epic start <laughs> It was. It was an epic start. I can't. I can't lie. So, quick question, right? Because this this concept was new to me as I entered Georgetown. But you mentioned that you went on a gap year, and it was through this gap year that you had the space and time and experiences to really investigate your passion for the environment. So, um, could you give the audience a bit of a a little bit of background on what a gap year is and what it was for you? Totally. Yeah. So. A gap year is essentially just a year for any student to just take a break between high school and college. I'd always wanted to take one um, just because I, because of my interest in environmentalism and not getting to explore that in high school, I just kind of knew I needed some time to be like, like kind of reorient myself and separate myself from what my family wanted for me, what my community wanted for me and what I actually wanted for myself and needed some space to discover that. Um, when COVID came around though, because it was my senior year during quarantine, um, you know, taking a gap year kind of seemed like it wasn't an option because travel wasn't really possible, things like that. Um, but I was really, really lucky that in like late July, I was already registered to go to Georgetown. I was going to do it online, the whole thing. 
I found out I could take a leave of absence for the year and decided to take that route instead and found a program that was still running during COVID um, in the Northwest U.S. And it was just like just a bubble of 14 other students. And we just, you know, went to all these different national parks and really got to just like be in the outdoors. Um, And yeah, the year was exactly I mean, it wasn't exactly what I hoped for. There was a lot of ups and downs as what happens on a gap year, especially during COVID. There was a lot of plans that fell through. I got stuck on a Wahoo without a place to stay. Like there was a lot of, there was a lot of ups and downs, but I think the biggest thing I learned on my gap year was how to be independent and just like how to be a fully functioning human being and like deal with the ups and downs. And like, you know, when you get stuck in the middle of a Wahoo, like you got to figure it out. So like, you know, having to figure that those kind of things out. And then the other thing was really getting to dive into what environmentalism meant for me. How did I see myself playing into that role or that space? And then getting to connect with other people who see that as a priority and hearing their story of how they got involved and kind of the work they're doing. And it's been really, really amazing to connect with those people and learn from them and like work with them. So one of the people I met on my gap year, um, he was the vice president of a nonprofit in Kauai that I was interning for. And yeah, then he invited me to come out to his farm and do a work trade there. And he's hoping to build like this regenerative agricultural center that's also going to have like an educational like retreat center on it um, for kids and adults alike to like come and just work on, you know, permaculture skills, sustainability, and also emotional intelligence. So it's really cool to talk to him about this project that he's building, work on the land and just like help make that a reality. Um, and yeah, now this is my second summer doing that. So it's, it's really, really cool to see the exploration, I guess, that you start on your gap year come into like actual opportunities that you can pursue for as long as you want. So I think that was my other favorite thing about the year. But yeah, if you have any more specific questions, I'd love to answer them. Yeah. No, I just wanted to point that out and like have you expand upon that because even from my own perspective, I really thought that the only way to pursue some of my interests with environmentalism, right, which was inspired like way back when I read Ishmael, which is something we might touch upon in this conversation. Uh, yeah, we um, should. I was like, the only way to explore this is like in a classroom. And like the only way for me to like get really deep in these things is like through research, right? And like even like this idea that like I had to go straight from like high school to college and it never occurred to me. And I know that for a lot of students, it doesn't occur to them that they can take a break and the break isn't like the end of the world. It's actually an opening up of a new one, right? Like for myself, I'm currently, you know, I've been deciding and I recently decided I'm going to take a gap semester in the middle of my journey because I'm like, I need a change of pace. Right. And I need time to explore some of these ideas in the real world. So part of that was like coming back here to Freetown farm and like having time at the farm, interacting with high school and college students and, doing garden installations and stuff but like for you like that meant like traveling and like getting to see how you are and operate when stuff hits the fan and like when plans don't go accordingly um and And the other thing i want to mention with that is because what you were saying about how like it seems like you need to learn about environmental work in classroom spaces i think something like one of the biggest things i took away is like i think i learned so much more about what i'm doing and it's like why it's important and its significance when I'm out of the classroom and I get experiential learning like hands-on and, you know, getting to talk to community members and hear their, you know, take on different things and just getting to see different parts of the world and how they relate to sustainability and how, you know, every culture is different in its relation to sustainability. I think it's like 
one of the most important things because so many, and I'm sure we'll dig into this more, like so many different factors affect sustainability, like intersectionality is just like, that's everything with sustainability. And so it's really, I think really crucial and important to get out and see it for yourself so that you can relate to those different experiences. Well said. So, I'm excited for you to be taking your gap semester. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited too. And I'm excited to share um, that journey with you. Um, yeah. journey, share as in like communicate that journey. Um, mm-hmm. So one thing that really stuck out to me in, in your explanation of how you got involved with environmental work is the idea that, or the experience you had with finding out what environmentalism meant for you and stepping away from the norms that you were raised with and like what was immediate to you so that you could figure out and be exposed to other norms. So would you mind going to a little bit more detail about some of the norms that you were raised with and some counter narratives that you came across in your, you know, in your time? Totally. Yeah. This is what I'm still figuring out because it was, you know, I was so, I, I talk a lot about cultural conditioning. I'll probably say this a couple of times, but I'm a very strong believer that wherever you grew up, there's, you know, a very specific culture that you become super conditioned to as that's just the norm. And that's how you see life. That's how you see life playing out. So in my community, the norm was go to high school, you're in your clubs, you do sports, you hang out with your friends, you graduate, you go to a college in the Midwest, you major in probably business, you move to the city for a couple of years be a consultant, move back to the suburbs, have kids, die. Like that was like everyone's life. Like that's, I'm not even kidding. That's just like the life in the North Shore suburbs of Chicago. And yeah, I mean, I never really wanted to do that. I was just like, that just really does not sound appealing, but it's, it's really hard to like have different values from the rest of your community and be like, I don't want, you know, it's like, I don't want to say that to anyone else. Like, I don't want to live life the way you live it. Cause that's obviously can be offensive to a lot of people. So I just really kept it to myself and, you know, I would again, try to mention environmentalism to different people and be like, Hey, I think this is important. But like, you know, again, I got scoffed at, I got laughed at even like my own parents, like didn't see the priority and they would like make fun of me for like trying to like compost at home, like stuff like that. It just wasn't something people cared about. And so that was really hard, honestly, growing up. And I just kind of like suppressed it because I was just like, I don't know, this is where I'm at right now and I can't do anything about it. And so I kind of kept my own little tabs and I did my own little things when I could. And I went on a lot of like, I call them my cleanup runs where I'd go on runs and I'd bring a little plastic bag and pick up any trash I found. (laughs) That was really fun for me. So I just do my little things where I could. And I want to make a point there that like, that's one of the most important things I think about sustainability is like doing the little things where you can. Like two years ago, I was in a space where like, it was really hard for me to do anything because just of where I was and the norms and you know, I didn't have much control over like my own life because I was still living at home. I was still under my parents' household, you know, all of that. And so, yeah, just doing what you can in the moment, I think is like the most important thing and not stressing about what you're not able to do because, you know, what you're not able to to do will like eventually come to fruition if you decide to pursue it. Um, So yeah, and then COVID hit and just all of that free time, of course, was really freaking scary at first. Because I was so used to having such a structure, you know, I woke up at 7am, I went to school all day, I did track after school. And then I went to my clubs and I got home at 10pm and did my homework and went to bed. And it was like always the same thing. And all of a sudden, that was all gone, like every single part of it. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, what am I gonna do? And it was like this whole anxiety thing of, you know, now I can't, I can't fit in with the norm anymore. I can't just like say that that's enough. 
I have to figure out for myself what I want to fill my time with. And that became environmentalism. And I cannot be more, I know a lot, I mean, obviously the pandemic was horrible for so, so, so many people, but I actually am super grateful for that time in quarantine to have just been able to reflect and get time to myself to reorient myself and reshape myself to my own values rather than what other people expected of me. Um, And that's the thing I think a lot of people do. They don't have a moment to step back and be like, okay, what actually matters to me? And instead they just follow the culture of the place they grow up in. Um, And, you know, they end up following that path for the rest of their life. So I'm, I'm so grateful for that moment to have stepped back and got into reorient myself because I don't think if that hadn't happened, I don't know if I would be where I am today, which is like kind of crazy. So, yeah. I hear you. I, one thing that sticks out to me is the, the time and space that you had to, to think and Mm -hmm. to step back and the freedom to do so. I know that I personally have a similar degree of freedom that I don't always take the liberty of expressing or um, Mm -hmm. making the best use of. But it's important for us, I think, to acknowledge that 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 is definitely a privilege, right? Because there are so many people in in this country and around the world that don't get to exercise that level of free time, right? Like, you know, people our age having to work straight out of high school or during high school in order to feed themselves, to house themselves. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to do what we do. Like me taking this you know, opportunity to have this conversation is time that another person our age may be taking to um, to work, mm-hmm. you know, or caretake. And so I think an important part of this conversation um, and even just like the idea of environmentalism as like uh, an experience, a concept, uh, an engagement is also acknowledging that the level of engagement changes depending on what you have access to. Yeah, no, I, I totally 100% agree with that. And I think a point I wanted to make on that is I think I think somewhat something with that kind of came up with like cancel culture was like this thing of like, oh, if you have privilege, like don't exercise it. And I think that's like a total like just that makes no sense to me because there's so many people in the world who don't have the privilege to like be able to have these conversations, to be able to like take the time to stick to their values and pursue like sustainability or whatever their passion may be. And if you have those opportunities to like make the world a better place, like this was kind of my reasoning also for going to Georgetown because I just, I don't know if Akil has mentioned this, but Georgetown is quite the place. (laughs) And it's hard to be there as an environmental studies major. And part of the reason I like pushed myself to go there was because I was like, I have this privilege and this opportunity to like help make the world a better place. And so many people don't have that. And like the idea of like wasting that or not taking advantage of that, I think is like down, you know, it was, it, it would be a bad thing. It'd be like, make me feel like a bad person. So I think that's another note on privilege that I think people see the other way of like, oh, because not everyone has this opportunity, you shouldn't do it either. But I think if no one does it, then no change is ever going to happen. So you have to start somewhere and then eventually we can cultivate a world where it's possible for everyone to do that. Big facts. So I think that's a perfect segue um, into the work that you've been doing as part of Green and now that you're the co-president, I know you've got some big goals for the upcoming school year. So could you give us a, an idea of what you've been doing and what you plan to do? Yeah, so I'm really excited where Green is at right now. Um, they definitely took a big hit during COVID. 
Um, just, you know, obviously the school pushed back and was like, absolutely nothing is going to be done with sustainability because public health was a priority, which totally, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, green lost a lot of its momentum. The office of sustainability was shut down and basically every single project was just like put to the side. Um, and this year was the first, first year that it's kind of gained momentum again. And by the end of the year, we had really great momentum going, um, earth week was a huge success and we just put on so many amazing events ranging from, you know, clothing swaps to, um, like discussions on different elements of intersectionality. So we did a coffee chat on gender and the environment. Um, there was the launching of the earth, earth commons Institute, which not really sure what it's going to be still, but I think it's like some sort of school that's being created but um georgetown showing that sustainability is priority is basically like what it shows so that was super exciting um and yeah now coming into this this next year my co-president and i really just want to keep building on that momentum and really try to make sustainability a big priority at georgetown because one of the other things about georgetown is because it's so expensive like the majority of students there are super affluent and they have never thought to care about sustainability in their lives because it doesn't affect them they have you know there's no relation to like, there's no, no impact of climate change, no impact of sustainability that will affect their lives because they have enough money to avoid the impacts. And so a lot of them are like, why would I care about it? Um, so we've faced a lot of difficulty with talking to the student population about recycling, about composting, about why this is important. And we're finally starting to make some momentum where faculty has started to listen to us and wanted to work with us to implement more projects around sustainability around the school. So um, this upcoming year, we have a lot of exciting projects going on. We got a grant to start a thrift store on campus, which Let's we're super excited um, Yeah, so we'll have that pop-up thrift store during move-in where people can buy, you know, everything from clothes, but also dorm items. We have mini fridges, microwaves, shelving, you know, all the things, which will be really cool. And then all of those profits, um, this is actually something Paul and I have been kind of working on. It's still under the works, but we Who's are- for the audience? Sorry, Paul is the other co-president of Green Next Semester with me. Um, something Paul and I have been working on is the idea of starting a sustainability started sustainability starters club. So it was, or like, it would be like an offset of green, um, or sub branch, but, um, basically our thought process is a lot of people are interested in sustainability, but it's like, they either don't have the time, they don't have the funds because sustainability can be expensive or they don't have the motivation to get involved. They think it's important, but those three things really keep them from getting involved. And so, our idea was why don't we start a club where those people who are interested in getting involved, but don't really like know how, or like don't really know where to start, come together and discuss, you know, what's holding them back. And we'll have all these funds from all of our thrift store, um, you know, buys and all of that, which we can then put into, to buying, you know, sustainable, you know, sustainable, whatever for members of the club, uh, especially those that don't have the funds themselves to, um, you know, buy more sustainable brands to, you know, get reusable cutlery to, you know, get a tote bag, you know, simple things like that, or get healthy, sustainable options. That was another thing. It's like just providing like healthy local food to students would be really, really cool. So um, that's one of our goals for the semester is to kind of get that up and running to provide students an opportunity to just like come together and talk about sustainability and the pros and the cons and the difficulties and like, just have a space to like be human and talk about because like, there's such a notion of like perfectionism and sustainability of like oh I live this like zero waste lifestyle and (laughs) whatever but like that's so totally not realistic at all and so like even I like I like try to avoid plastic and I'm like vegan but like I just ate eggs for breakfast this morning because it's the only thing we had like it just sometimes it's not realistic 
and that's okay. And it's important to talk about that. So I'm excited for that. Um, another really important thing that we're going to start is doing more discussions around environmental justice that has totally been put to the back burner. And green has also in the past been a space of mostly white affluent kids talking about sustainability. And we really want to this semester include a lot of other clubs and start having, you know, a lot of like crossover talking about racing, the environment, you know, um, wealth in the environment, gender in the environment, um, so many more topics. There's like so many different elements of intersectionality that we're planning on having discussions on. Um, and then for every discussion, we're planning on inviting a different club or two, a couple of faculty members and just like kind of come together and, you know, anyone can come and just talk about what that looks like in our own community. How does it play out in everyone's, you know, distinct cultural background? What are the problems you've seen with this? What are the solutions we're starting to see? How can we work on this problem here at Georgetown? Um, so I'm really excited because another, yeah, another thing Paul and I are just trying to do in general, both of these clubs kind of, or like ideas, goals, projects, projects is the right word, mm -hmm. um, are is like creating a space to be human and sustainability and talk about these things because that's just not done that often. And so we just want to create spaces for people to talk about the, you know, the combination of sustainability and other subjects, because, you know, not everyone is interested in sustainability, but they're interested in race inequality or poverty or any other social justice issue. And they're all inter like, they all intersect in one way or another. So I'm really excited to get the opportunity to talk about those intersections and get to meet more kids at Georgetown and kind of talk about, you know, our similarities and our differences and how we can use those to, you know, work together to create a better campus for everyone. So yeah, those are a couple of our goals. There's a lot more, but save time. <laughs> those are our big ones. I hear you. I mean, a lot of rewriting the cultural conditioning of people on campus, right? Yes. Yeah. That's a big, that, that would be like the major goal. These are the ways we're trying to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I'd also like to add that, you know, through a lot of your leadership and like your persistence, you know, Leo's, our main dining hall on campus, transferred from, you know, disposable single-use plastics to reusables after, like, Willow's, like, ridiculous amount of, like, follow-up and communication. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a really awesome win. And now we're actually really great, like, on great terms with the people in the dining hall. We're actually in discussion with them right now about new student orientation and making sure all the meals for that are as close to zero waste as possible. And they're really open to discussing that. So another thing that's been really awesome through Green has been seeing what I've heard in the past from like seniors that just graduated. They said, you know, it's so hard to talk to the faculty, like in facilities, like they don't care. Like I keep being shut down into like starting to build relationships with those people and doing it through kindness rather than like kind of anger or like what's like, yeah, kind of, you know, a lot of people in like activism can be kind of like mean or like kind of like forceful because, you know, we have goals we want to accomplish and that's totally fair. But something I've really experienced this year is like instead choosing to try to do the, those things through kindness mm. and it has worked amazingly well. And I've, you know, developed some really close relationships with people at the beginning of the year that I heard were like horrible people and they're really hard to work with. Um, so it's been really cool to see, you know, what kindness can do and the kind of relationships it can provide. Um, and I'm excited to keep growing those next year. Yeah. Shout out to relationship building and also slightly random, but also shout out to the zero waste team. Um, I think it's important to note that green is currently broken to seven teams, right? 
Seven teams, yeah. So it's like zero waste, which you were the one of the leads for, right? Yeah. Um, so zero waste. We have gardening, mm-hmm. um, and so we have a couple gardens behind campus. Going to add some more next year. We have energy and water, which fo- focuses on the thrift store and also divestment. We have education, which through the um, what was the event of the like climate education event, something like that happened this spring, which was super exciting with a bunch of different schools in the DMV. Um, we have bees, we have aquaponics, and environmental justice. For and number environment. seven. Number seven. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So all the different teams, you know, do their own projects, and then we all come back together to kind of talk about what everyone's doing, how we can support one another and all of that. And then, you know, hopefully we'll add these couple projects to different teams um, this upcoming year. Gotcha. You mentioned that one of the challenges and things you want to address this coming year is creating more spaces for like non-white students and like people that aren't just like wealthy white people talking about sustainability. Um, would you mind going to that a bit and some of the other challenges um, you're facing or have faced in the environmental space on campus? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because the majority of Georgetown is white and affluent. And because of that, I've noticed a, a large disconnect with the, um, you know, my minority students on campus. I There's this big feeling of like, they feel like they don't belong, that they can't fit into the culture at Georgetown. And so a lot of them choose not to like engage in these different clubs or these ideas because they feel like, you know, that they don't belong there. And that's super hard to hear and you know it's also really hard to fix because it's just like such a deep-rooted issue and there's the whole GU 272 and that's you know there's just so much there to dig into and it's it's hard to like wipe this like clean of all this like pain and anger and discontent and just be like come join our community and let's all be happy you know like there's stuff that needs to be discussed and so one of my big goals for the semester is like trying to do this in a a meaningful and genuine way and not just be like come on like let's talk about sustainability because like this is whatever but like instead like address like these deep-rooted issues and how they're all interconnected and how we can actually like work together to support one another through these issues um and so yeah it's been hard last semester I sent out some emails to some other clubs to try to like get some sort of coalition going get some you know movement growing behind conversations and there was honestly not that much of a response given it was the end of the year. A lot of people are burnt out and are just like, whatever, let's wait till next year. Sorry about the chickens. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just, it's a hard thing to do because like there's so many deep rooted issues and a lot of people are like, I don't want to discuss it because it's just like a lot of people have like given up trying to discuss it or trying to work on it. And I don't want to do that. And so Um, that's one of our big goals is just having those discussions and bringing in different clubs really being genuine about our invitations and um you know trying to create genuine open-hearted conversation around these issues rather than like doing it because it's like the right thing to do or whatever like we want to do it because these conversations need to happen in order to make change like we need to close or bridge the gaps I guess you could say between the different clubs on Georgetown um, and really come together and like talk about how all of these things are related and so yeah I don't have all the answers for that still I'm still trying to figure out and what's the best way to do it because again like there's so much emotion there and it's it's hard as a white student to come in and try to 
fix that. Like I, I not even fix it or address it. Um, so yeah, I'm still figuring it out and I'm taking any advice I can get and I'm talking to different people as much as I can and getting different opinions and perspectives. And it's looking like we'll have those conversations and just also provide a space for these different people to connect and just like recharge together. Cause it's like social justice work is hard and no matter what social justice issue you're working on. And so just providing a space for those people involved in social justice to like come together, talk about our similarities, talk about our differences and just like recharge and support each other in each other's presence. So. I hear that. I can say like as a black student at Georgetown, one of the driving factors for me taking this gap semester was this past spring, spring 2022. I had a lot of time where I just felt out of place. Like, you know, it sounds cliche, but it's just a genuine experience of like, I don't somehow belong. It's not that I'm not intelligent enough because I'm just as smart, if not smarter than most of the people I'm surrounded by. That's not a flex. That's just the truth, right? I'm considerate. I'm kind, you know, I'm capable. But at the same time, there's, you know, there, there, I mean, it's an institution that was constructed by enslaved people that balanced its books by selling enslaved people and then lied about the, the, the way in which they would repay their descendants and which is a whole thing that's ongoing i'll link i'll link some stuff about the gu 272 in the show notes but as a black student it's it's a real it's a real issue you know just like you know you belong there because you deserve access to those resources and opportunities the classes um great conversations and community but it wasn't until i was surrounded by a bunch of other black students for the first time while my i was at georgetown um this past april i was like okay, so it's not just me. Like, it's not, it's like, it's not just me, like feeling like kind of, you yeah. know, some type of way about my experience. And so I think from my point of view, as someone who like, as, as like probably the one consistent black student in green, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm excluding anybody, but like, at least when it came to like events and stuff, um, you know, it's, it's, a, for me, it's meaningful, right? It's an, it's a meaningful endeavor. Um, and so long as no one's trying to do white saviorism, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm all for it. And I think all attempts that are genuine, like you know, is is respect is respectable, right? Because you're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. Everyone who is in pursuit of social change is going to mess up because change is difficult. And especially because our timelines as university students are kind of condensed. Like we're there for four years, and we're going up against hundreds of years of institutional history. And, you know, even more time of just broader societal national history, um, little steps are always welcome. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate what you have to say because, yeah, I've heard that from you. But I heard it from other Black students and it's just like, it like hurts my heart because like I know how true it is and it just, it just sucks. Like it just sucks. Like that's like the best, like that's the only way to say it is it sucks and it's like again how do you how do you begin to address such a deep-rooted problem and then you know everyone has different opinions on it so yeah it's small baby steps and just trying to bring in as much conversation as possible as much critical feedback as possible is another thing uh that's another thing paul and i are doing is just like having a jam board open like if anyone knows jam, it's just like a thing where you can put sticky notes on and everyone can see it but just like putting that out in every single email and every single um like um 
like general body meeting and every single event just like pacing that and being like go through your thoughts on there like feedback ideas like whatever you want because I think providing a space where people can provide anonymous feedback is really important to growing and yeah to growing and kind of creating the best path forward that's shaped by everyone instead of just leadership definitely I love that feedback is a one so we're coming to the close of this conversation, not totally, but we're nearing the last few topics. You mentioned that you're back in Kauai. Um, can you talk about what you're doing there right now? Yes. Yeah, I can. So um, basically the first time I came to Kauai, um, November of 2020, I started interning for a nonprofit called Zero Waste Kauai. And, you know, obviously their mission is to try to make the island as close to zero waste as possible. And it's really hard because um, all of they have a landfill on island, but all their recycling gets shipped out. So it's expensive to recycle. So no one really is. There's no incentive to recycle. And there's very little composting, even though this island, it's like 80 degrees all the time. It rains all the time. It's, it's called Garden Isle because like the weather is perfect for gardening or like farms, all everything. Everything grows like in abundance here. Um, but there's like very little, not many farms on the island and there's like little to no composting. And so that's a big thing that Zero Waste Kauai was trying to work on. And I got involved in that and was doing some great work with them. And I connected with their vice president. His name is Jesse and he's 30 and he owned a pretty big property on Kauai and was trying to, you know, create some sort of like regenerative homestead focused on, you know, emotional intelligence, sustainability, and just like connecting with the land. And this past year he bought a new property and it was completely overgrown, like literally basically a jungle covered in invasive species, especially this one called guinea grass, which grows everywhere here. And it's so pervasive in the soil and it kills any sort of like life, especially native species. Um, so his goal was to completely eliminate the guinea grass, rebuild the property and um, create kind of this like regenerative farm retreat center for people to come and connect with Aina is the idea of like the land or like that which feeds is the Hawaiian word for you know that which feeds is Aina um and then Aloha Aina is like taking care of that which feeds taking care of the land so providing a space for um you know those conversations to start to take place and then also talk about native Hawaiian culture you know genocide on Kauai and um you know settler culture and kind of begin to address those problems, those long lasting issues that are still lasting on this island and begin to work together for a more sustainable future. So that's the big project that he has planned out and we're still working on, like every day I get up at 7 a.m. and just go like get guinea grass out of the ground for like an hour and a half. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work. I'm like pickaxe to the ground, like it's, it's a lot. Um, but, you know, I was here last summer and I'm back here again and seeing the difference in the property and just slowly seeing changes come like come to place and um, see Jesse make all these amazing connections with these really cool people on the island who are so passionate about sustainability and change and all of that. And he also started his own composting business this past mm -hmm. year, the first um, like like privately or for profit composter on the island, uh, which is super exciting and super exciting to see that change begin to be made. And um, I think last year they like 
diverted, I think, almost 500,000 pounds perfectly. It's about a lot of people in the landfill. That's major. Yeah, it's major. Um, And it's really important, too, because there's a, it's an island. Like, there's not much room for a landfill here. And um, food waste is so easy to, like, divert. And it's just, like, it takes up so, it's, like, what is it? It's, like, 30% of, um, you know, municipal solid waste, I think is what it's called, MSW. But, yeah, it's 30% of MSW, and it's so easy to divert. So, yeah, so that's going on. And then now I'm working with Zero Waste Kauai again. Um, they got a bigger grant to work on industrial composting for the entire island for restaurants and businesses. So now they're really trying to figure out how to implement that, how to get businesses to want to compost um, and things like that. So it's really exciting to be here and to be working on that project and meet all these amazing people and to build a community on this beautiful little island. I mean, it's, it's truly an amazing place. And I'm really, really grateful that I get to be here. That sounds so dope. Like every every aspect of that sounds super dope. And and I'm happy for you. And I'm happy for us that are listening to you talk about it because that's exciting. I hope somebody's inspired to go travel there and just check it out and to I contribute. Reach out. We You can contribute. You can work on the farm. <laughs> we need all the help we can get. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, so... I think this is a good opportunity for us to close out the conversation. But before we go ahead and do that, I want to offer you the opportunity to share one practical tip that you have for our listeners um, that involves getting involved with nature, the environment in general, or uh, ways to connect with the community. So what would one such tip be? I think I have two. Is that okay? Oops. Sorry. Sure. Um. So yeah, the first, I would say there's yeah two different segments. I would say my first would be more in relation to sustainability and environmental work. And that is kind of, we mentioned it earlier, just like doing what you can. But my favorite quote is, it's not about a few people doing something perfectly. It's about a lot of people doing something imperfectly. And I think that just sums up the environmental movement. And then last night I heard this amazing metaphor that this native Hawaiian woman said, oh my gosh, it was so good. She was like, she was talking about her auntie and they were, you know, pulling weeds and their whole garden was covered in weeds. And she's like, auntie, like, where do I start? The whole go- like garden is covered in weeds. And she was like, you just start there. Like, don't care about, don't think about the whole garden. You just start, right there. start with that little patch. Like, who cares? Like, just do what you can, you know? And it was like, it was just so simple. Like, you just got to start somewhere. And like, it doesn't like, yeah, you work on progress, but like, you just have to pick a patch and get started. And then eventually you'll start to see the progress, you know, happen. And I think that's the most important thing because sometimes like all of this work can feel so daunting and it's, it's nice to just be like some, you just got to start somewhere and do something. And as long as you're doing something, you know, it's not nothing and you're working on pulling the weeds, you know? So that's, that's my first piece of advice. And then my second is more in relation to nature and your community. A big thing I've been focusing on this year is listening to Ina or nature or whatever you want to call it. Um, and observing because there's so much to observe and to notice and to learn from the land that I feel like we just don't see at all because, you know, in our culture, it's so normal to be busy all the time. And it's just like, you're always doing something, but something I've been doing a lot this year is just being like, just sitting and watching the world go by and, you know, looking at the birds and you start to notice more elements. Like I've started to see, I'll just like sit in a place for five minutes and all of a sudden I'm seeing so many more types of flowers. I'm seeing mushrooms in the soil. I'm seeing like, you know, little bugs, I'm seeing little geckos. So it's, it's really cool once you like stop and just like 
allow yourself to stay in a place for more than 30 seconds, you become more than just a visitor and you begin to like belong to that place. And the wildlife comes back and it looks at you and you, you know, you just sit there and watch it all. Um, and that's been something that's been like super amazing for me. And, you know, a lot of times when I was at Georgetown, I'd sit in these woods behind campus and sit there for so long, the deer would come by and they come right by me and make eye contact and these foxes would come by because you're just a part of that community now. And so that's my other advice is just spend more time being, just spend more time observing and listening and hearing what the land has to say, because once you start to listen, it has a lot to say and it can guide you. So, yeah. That's perfect. Um, Willow, thank you for this conversation, for your insights, for your work, the great metaphor, the quote, just the whole thing. I'm, I'm really appreciative that we got to have this conversation. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad I got to do this with you and have this conversation. I love having great conversations with you. I'm excited for this podcast and to listen to all the other awesome conversations you've had with you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you want to learn more about our guests or take a deeper dive into some of the topics of discussion, please check out the episode description for links and information. If you are part of a community whose environmental work you'd like featured on our podcast, please send me an email at akilcole at cei.earth. That's A-K-I-L-C-O-L-E at cei.earth. Also, Give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Community Ecology Institute. I promise we would love to hear from you. You can subscribe to Community Blooms on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or just about anywhere else where you get your podcasts. So until next time, learn from someone new, do the best that you can do, and strive to make sure your community blooms. Peace. Peace.